This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the short code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. On today's show, paying people who use drugs not to do that. YouTube drops the hammer on vaccine disinformation. The 2021 Ig Nobel Prizes and what everyone should know about applying to residency programs, but no one tells you until the last moment. With me today in the studio and live streaming on our Facebook group, the Shortcode Student Lounge, it's the always effulgent M2, Stephanie Rodriguez. Woo! Whoa! (laughs) The ever-adroit, I assume, M2, Kelsey Blocklinger joins us for the first time. (laughs) The perpetually jocular M1, Noah Wick, is back. Hello. And the <laughs> munificent M2, Ben Linden, is here also for the first time. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thank you. When I get newbies on the show, I do like to take a moment to find out where the hell y'all been. How did you come to medicine, for instance? Let's start with you, Kelsey. Oh, like what made me want yeah, to what made you want Yeah, what made you want to do this crazy thing we call medical know. education? I was just woke up one day, hey, I want to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like I knew I wanted to go into science, something healthcare in high school. Thought I want to do pharmacy, but then worked in it and shadowed more and realized medicine was kind of more kind of impact I wanted to have. So then now I'm here. Fair enough. Yeah. What about you, Ben? You know, truthfully, I feel like what brought me here is it's changed so much. When I when I went to undergrad, I was actually pre dentistry because my older brother was a dent or was a to be a dentist. And then I started engaging in like public health classes, got more like direct volunteer experience with patients. And I thought everything I like that I can do as a dentist is more so found in medicine. And then every, everything I've learned after the fact is just more concreted that idea. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm in the right program. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I'm, I'm uh, glad to have you with us. Before we get started, I need to mention that our episode today is sponsored by Panacea Financial. Panacea Financial is a nationwide digital bank built for medical students that was built by doctors who lived through financial frustrations themselves. Whether you're a fourth-year medical student, a resident, or an attending physician, Panacea offers free checking with no ATM fees nationwide, 24-7 customer service, and loan options designed especially for y'all. You can get a PRN personal loan up to $15,000 as a medical student funded in as little as 24 hours at less than half the interest rate of a credit card. You can try their PRN personal loan for a better way to cover expenses like relocation, board exams, residency applications. Medical students and residents can have a period of no or reduced payments. And to top it off, every Panacea Financial customer gets their own free personal banker who is a phone call or email away to provide the personalized service you deserve no matter where you move in your career. So if you're ready to join the growing number of physicians nationwide who expect more from their bank, visit PanaceaFinancial.com today to learn more. And thanks, Panacea Financial, for your support. In the meantime, this week marks the beginning of residency interview season. Yeah. Yeah. I love goosebumps. I mean, (laughs) it is quite a time. It's a crazy process, I think, how you all get a job after med school. And so I like to talk about it because I want people to know 
But it's and seeing you MTs on the show today reminded me that it's been a while since we discussed this. Mm-hmm. And you guys will in January head off to your first clinical rotation. So it seems like a good time to find out what it is you know about this whole crazy process. And maybe I can fill in some of the blanks. So do any of you know what the process overall looks like? It's really complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of kept in the dark, but completely in the dark. Yeah. A lot yeah. of evaluations. Yeah. You go to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Do some rotating. Perfect. Some yeah. I don't think we need to say anymore. Yeah. That's think- it. End the podcast from here. Yeah. yeah. Podcast is over. Yeah. Bye. Ben, you look like you might have I think known a lot. Are you asking yeah. about the clinical rotation no, just process? The, part, the whole, you know, the, the whole application process. For residency. For residency. Oh, my goodness. Honestly, not really. I, I just know that you have the application, but what it goes in the application I, I don't really know. Okay. I just yeah. don't like the idea of us being evaluated all the time. That's like, hard. Yeah. It's hard. I feel like it doesn't. I wasn't used to that when I got into med you, school. Yeah. So like I first semester, it's like I evaluated on my knowledge, but then also who I am as a person. Yeah. Like, this is like, a lot of pressure. There are books out there that people are not yeah. the best judges of character. So yeah. I don't know. How do you make an evaluation? How? Yeah. Well, we'll talk about those evaluations for sure, because that is a you know, an important part of, of this process. So here's, here's sort of what the process looks like. This past week, the National Residency Matching Service opened the Electronic Residency Application Service, or ERAS, or ERAS, as I've also heard it called. <laughs> I insist it's ERAS. I don't think anybody would choose to pronounce E-R-A-S as ERAS on purpose. But you guys, hey, you guys do you. Wait, so how do you call it? I've only ever heard Eras. 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 Eras is more, I think it's more fun. I got to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I definitely, in my mind, and when I ever refer to it, I say or think Eras, but I do my darndest to not actually have to use that term (laughs) when talking to people about it. I just say, oh, you're application because I'm I'm like self-conscious that I was saying it wrong. Good to know that I've, was probably saying it wrong. You know, it's like one of those right. things where you never say the word aloud and you don't actually yeah. know how it's yes. pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you know what I mean, it. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so that happened this past week. And so ERAS, or ERAS, allows, <laughs> the, allows the residency programs to review student applications and med school's extensive medical student performance evaluations, or MSPEs, once known as the Dean's Letter, to find people to invite for interviews. And already, the invitations have begun to roll in for some specialties. In March of next year, the NRMP will take all the rankings submitted by both programs and med students for each other, throw them into a computerized blender, an algorithm, <laughs> an algorithmic solution to the stable marriage problem, and spit out the best match for every program and applicant. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> it works pretty well. Yeah. But, you know, there's all, there's... There's probably always winners and losers, but it works pretty well. I mean, the whole idea is to match the two rankings together mm-hmm. so that you like each other as best as you possibly can, given it, what you know. <laughs> is that like strictly numerical? Like you put one, two, yeah. three, four, and then they put one, two, and yep. then boom. Yep. Okay. Wow. The, like, uh, the algorithm uh, that I mentioned won somebody a, a Nobel Prize for Economics. What? Yeah, I think it. I, really? I've heard from like my friends in computer science, like they bring it up a lot of times as like an example of I don't know computational modeling or something. Yeah, it's, it's something that gets discussed in CS courses. Yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> interesting. So, and at that point in March, you find out whether you match first, and then five days later you find out 
with whom you matched yeah. or with what program you matched. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Why do we wait a month? I don't get that. Drama. Yeah. I think it's create the tension. Uh-huh. I think it's yeah. just, you know, you got to give time. You got to give time for people to submit their match. You got to give time for the algorithm. So the algorithm actually runs in live seconds. But I right. bet <laughs> I bet there is a lot of testing. And, and every year, actually, speaking of testing, it goes to hell in a handbasket computer wise. And then people are like freaking out because the match results didn't come out when they said they were going to come out or programs didn't have access to them mm-hmm. when they said they were going to have access to them or this, that and the other thing. And it all goes to I, we'll find out what happens. But every year something seems to go wrong. So, you know, you can prepare yourself for that. But they're trying they're trying (laughs) Trying. the thing i wanted to talk about particularly today was the medical student performance evaluation Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is what was once called the dean's letter and the reason i want to talk about it is because sometimes when i bring this up more often than not y'all haven't even seemed to have been told about it is that true for you guys yeah we know nothing about it the only thing i know is that like katie and ben which are Mm -hmm. are like community uh facilitators write up the like a summary, but that's it. That's yeah. all I know yeah. about it. I remember asking about it, like when we first started med school mm-hmm. and they were like kind of being like, oh yeah, you worry about that like third and fourth yeah, year. Don't, don't think about it right now. I don't agree. And I'm like, Wh- okay. Whoever told you that, I kind of don't agree. <laughs> they always say that. Yeah, it's so because secretive. The thing, is, the thing is, it's already started being written about you. And I mean, so I'll, I'll tell you, I'll explain what's in it. And then you'll know why I say it's already being written. It's more or less a complete record of your time here boiled down to a few different things noteworthy characteristics which you guys supply and there are three of those significant accomplishments grades comments from preclinical and clinical course and clerkship evaluations Mm -hmm. there is a section for the the person who signs it to to sort of write a summary and then i've given you a copy of a sample and if you flip to the back there is a graph Mm mm-hmm And this particular, this graph freaks everybody out when they first see it because it's comparing you to your classmates, comparing your core clinical clerkship evaluation scores. So these are the Likert scale, the five point scores that say how professional you are, how interpersonally (laughs) skilled you are and how clinically skilled you are. Mm -hmm. And clearly, you know, somewhat close to half the class is going to be above the mean and the other half of the class is going to be below the mean and mm-hmm. hopefully everybody's within a standard deviation, but that can't be. And so, you know, it freaks people out when they freaks some people out when they see it, which is why I like you guys to know about it ahead of time. And the other reason is, you know, as the, the reason I say it's already being written about you is because of the fact that there are preclinical comments that are going to end up in there. Your preclinical grades are going to end up in there. Nobody's hiding this from you. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, well, people think it's not that important until you get to your third year to, to find out about it, I guess. Yeah. I think it'd be nice if we got like a sample of this during our M1 year, like or in two year at least, like a sample one, like the one we have right yeah. here. Yeah. Because yeah. by the time you get to your M3 year, when maybe you first start hearing about this really in, in detail, you've already done a year of clinical clerkships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's some grand design that nobody's told me about, but. <laughs> kind of don't think so i kind of think it's you guys get a lot of information about you know how this med school thing works half of it you're going to (laughs) forget just because of all the important stuff that they throw down your into your ear holes and eye holes yeah (laughs) it's it's curious looking at this graph like the clinical skills interpersonal professionalism graph it's one two three four five those are the numbers you have graded and like the average for each of the categories is above 
four. As yeah. in the four or five are the two best numbers you can get. Yes. Right. You have made a yeah. what I think is a critical observation, which mm. is that most people score in the fours and fives. And so right. you could be looking at your evaluations as they come in and being like, oh, great, I got fours and fives. But this graph seems to show that, or this graph shows that everybody gets fours and fives. You might be, you know, 3.5 and be like a one or two standard deviations below mm-hmm. the mean, yeah. and that kind of sucks for you. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. guess it's good to see the error bars don't dip down below three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can look at it one of two ways. Like it's either inflation of scores mm-hmm. or just that we kick ass. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's the whole. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I, I think it's, I, I mean, I think that's like the thing with when you ever, you do like Gert scales or do any subjective rating is you're just going to tend to have like higher scoring mm-hmm. things because people, A, just don't want to be, I think you sort of have, I don't know, what's the mutually assured destruction almost where everyone's, <laughs> oh, everyone's giving these points. So yeah. like, I need to be giving these, you know, on, on one hand, but also to just, you know, most people are doing a good job, you know, yeah. if you're in medical school. So I think it, it's, it's, I think that's been interesting. And I would be interested to hear too, if, if y'all know it all like how much that actually plays into it. Cause I like sort of flipping through this, there's a lot of places for, for comments and this is, but this graph is like really sort of one of the only like places where there's like a number yeah. assigned to you, you know, which is interesting. Yeah. I know too that, isn't it true that you get to choose on some clerkships who writes your recommendations? Yeah. And I think so the idea is, like, you takes know, out part of the, there's like different strategies. Of it. Like different yeah. Things. Like so ask it's people like, that don't know you because and they won't write bad stuff. Yeah. And then, or write, <laughs> Ask yeah. people that do yeah, and then so you end up with an evaluation that reads, it. I've never met this person. I have no idea. <laughs> well, let me give them all fives. Yeah, there's yeah. like different strategies out there. And I'm like, so which one is... This is the yeah. great part about being a med student is all of these different strategies that people uh-huh. have <laughs> right. to accomplish this, you know, this goal of getting your MD yeah. and getting a residency is, I mean, it could all be bullshit, but yeah, could, yeah honestly. Yeah. And I feel like when I like don't do the strategies every once in a while, it plays out really well. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are probably official strategies that yeah. you, you might be yeah, let in on too. I, that yeah, I, I like that I'm not quite aware of. So my job in this is to, and, and there's another person in OSAC who, who also does this. I do it for half the class and she does it for the other half. And our jobs is to sort of take all these sources of information and collated into this document. And so I do read the, cl- the comments to try to figure out which ones go in. And there are two things that I like to say about that. Number one, I'm looking for patterns. Most of the pattern, most of the patterns that I see are good patterns, mm-hmm. but occasionally there are bad patterns. Yeah. How do you mm-hmm. deal with that? And so we have to tell the story. So if you're habitually this, that, or the other thing that's negative, you know, unprofessional late you act annoyed whatever you're disengaged then that that could make it into the mspe Hmm. so that's number one but we don't put in formative comments these are the comments like everybody has issues with you know needs to learn more like we all need to learn you guys all need to learn more that's all growing as yeah yeah so we don't put that stuff in you know didn't know x y or z okay i'm sure she'll learn about it as opposed to the summative comments where, you know, she's unprofessional, she is awesome, she is, you know, really good at, mm-hmm. you know, establishing rapport with patients, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So all that, you know, we're, of course, happy to include that stuff, but we still do have to tell the story. Yeah. And then the other, the, the other piece of advice I give to people is never, never let them see you roll your eyes. Because <laughs> there will be times when you're like, I can't believe what I'm seeing or hearing or experiencing. And, you know, unless it's, you know, unless it's morally or ethically a problem, 
or, or is a comprom- is compromise of patient safety, it might be best to just have a stone face about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, even when it is a real problem, it's best to figure out how to deal with that in advance mm-hmm. yeah. and not appear like you think that person is in the a-hole or, you know. I guess it's more obvious now with COVID because we have the mask and so all you see is the eyes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they're obviously going to see the eye roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You end up doing that. Well, I think that I, I think when I the, the comments that I see that are obvious like this is, you know, is when somebody clearly just gave up and I had a moment where they were just like, I don't this is bullshit. <laughs> and so it'll you know, that's the commenter will say, you know, something like, you know, isn't professional. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're having a bad day, like everyone has bad days. And yeah. And like if it's a one off, if it's thing. a one off, we're not going to. Right. We're not going to leave it in there. It's that pattern yeah. Yeah. Okay. that is important. So do we get all of the comments after each Yeah, like, you get to see then, all of this. Yeah, okay, so but you, have you never see through. it all in one place like you do right. here until okay. the okay. basically okay. the beginning of your M4 yeah. year. So yeah. you see your individual feedback, but you don't actually see it compared to your yeah. fellow classmates until it's already too late, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Now there is sort of, um, you guys have this dashboard and there is sort of a view of it in that dashboard where you can start to get a, uh, a look at it, but you really kind of have to, I think you really have to make more of an effort to sort of pull it together and understand how it will really look in the MSP. Is obviously. there any way to see the preclinical evals? Yeah. You see, the, I see the preclinical coursework and I'm seeing these. Well, you should have been oh. getting these. In, in yeah. our in, in, in the site where we fill out our evaluations, there's also a area where you can observe yours. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, oh, it's like the view well, evaluations Stephanie. tab yeah. on that oh, website. I've been too scared to look you haven't that. seen any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've never looked at it. <laughs> Oh. You can't. You you are gonna have to. I'm so mad. At I mean, they're from I don't like, like to give they're feedback. from a year ago, so you're fine. I refuse to grow as a person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, to talk about, I'm actually. I mean, I've only really heard it as you know in my brief seven eight. I don't know what week we're on. Mm-hmm. Eight weeks here. Like I've only really heard this in reference to just how little your preclinical sort of is on this letter, and it is like visually, it's pretty stunning because like you have a paragraph. Mm-hmm. For everything in your preclinicals, and really, it's just a sentence about the grades you got. Yeah, and then it's everything else is like how you didn't like how like your CBL, your case instructors, like sort of talking about you. But then you have seven pages about your clinicals. Yeah, I think it's pretty you know. clear what the more important thing is. Right, which is good news and bad news, right? I yeah. Mean, well, it's, I think it's mostly good news because right. it allows you to sort of stumble about. Right. In your preclinical phase a little bit, because after all, there's there's a moment that you are experiencing right now, Noah, where you're trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Oh, absolutely. And so that's nice. Uh huh. Because like realistically, you know, even if like sort of thinking about this, even if you didn't do super great in your preclinicals, like at most, that's a sentence Mm -hmm. out of like a document that's probably, you know, 2000 ish words, a thousand words or something, you Mm -hmm. know, it's I don't know. It's that's good to see, I guess, for me in terms of feeling more comfortable yeah. about yeah the preclinical years. Good. Yeah. So yeah, I just like to give people a heads up. I like to discuss this because I mean, you're you know, you guys don't even really realize that it's it's already begun for you. We've, this is already being collected and and stored mm-hmm. away for this use, this particular use. Mm-hmm. Do all like medical schools do it very similarly to this? Then there are guidelines that the um, AAMC. Okay. Um, tells us we should do mm-hmm. um, when composing these. So I think they all end up looking pretty similar. Okay. I'm just thinking like, how do they compare like one student from one school to another student mm-hmm. at a different school? If they have like, different grading systems. Yeah. 
It's a good I question. Don't know. <laughs> I thought there would be some like gold here when gold. When I would see the Dean letter for the first time, I had, like the gold on like the outline. Oh, you you like you you were <laughs> picturing a fancy, fancy thing. Oh. A very fancy thing where oh look at the students. This is a word down. Well, this is you know this is a this is a sample. The real one yeah. is printed on on a, a roll. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hold up parchment. Scroll. <laughs> and for each one, you know, your community director or dean. There's a wax stamp at yeah, the bottom. The bloody, a bloody thumbprint. Yes. What I find interesting about this is that there's so much about like the academic side. And at the very front, there are three bullet points for noteworthy characteristics yeah. in regards to the student. And if I'm not mistaken, that is the limit. You you are given three points beyond school that you can include which i think and they actually have to be from we uh, we have decided i don't know that this is you know what everybody's decided but we have decided that it needs to be from your experience in medical school the the, the three points have to yeah, be something so within within school. medical school because after all you know you could say I, I was sure. I was voted the most magical person in the world uh-huh. by my church, and you know we'd have no oh. way to verify that. You yeah. Know? yeah, was very involved in extracurriculars, did well in Reese's project, really good father to his cat. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> in my that mind, that's a noteworthy you? contribution. <laughs> I, mean, I have that's made, important. you know, and I don't know if that would really help me, but, but yeah, it's it's just weird. It's it's interesting because it's is it limiting? Is three. Noteworthy characteristics limiting. Oh, of course it's limiting. Yeah, but, but like maybe it's also you have like, to you 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 have to sort of think. You know, what is the most important? What are the most important things that people want to know about me as an applicant? You know, and and we figure that would be you know, teaching experience, research experience, leadership, mm-hmm. service, uh, service mm-hmm. is important to us, and um, and so that's what we sort of give as a guideline to things that you should. Mm-hmm. There's like probably putting. a section in the application where we can like submit all our extracurricular. Yeah, yeah. Right? Er- so. ERAS. Oh, Eris, Eris. Yeah. Eris has Eras. places for that stuff Eras. too. Yeah. So, I, and I feel like what I've heard, at least in the in the brief communication we've gotten from others, is now that step one is pass fail for the four of all us. All of us. Be, yeah. The MSPE suddenly is a little bit heftier than maybe it. Not that it wasn't hefty in the beginning, it's, with, but. It's going to be interesting to see the things that programs use to judge applicants beyond beyond step one. Mm-hmm. You know, once step one actually really truly goes away, maybe the MSP will be more. The MSP is usually about third, I think. If you survey when they survey program directors every year, it's like number three or number four most important things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, grades, board scores are number two, one and two. Mm-hmm. So you know that's why I think it's important to bring this up because you know it's not the most important thing. But it, it is a most important thing. It's a big factor in yeah. where you go. It's a big factor in getting the interview. Let's, yeah, I mean, we, you oh, know, yeah. we don't want to put too oh, much yeah. emphasis on it because it, it, the, import, the thing it does is it, is it gets you in, in the, the door. door. Yeah. Yeah. And Do also we, like along with your personal statement yeah. and your, your board scores and whatever, depending on, and, and, and it depends, you know, the, the things like board scores, you know, where it falls, where that falls is, you know, entirely dependent on your specialty that you're thinking about going into. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. That may be higher or lower, but they're usually pretty important. So there you go. I have I have done what I consider to be my moral duty. <laughs> and we thank you. To let you know that this yeah, thing is going good. to happen. Yeah, we'll pass on this top secret info phone. to our fellow classmates. Yeah. Never let them see you roll your eyes. <laughs> Never let them see you roll your eyes. 
Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to the shortcoats at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. Hey, I want to talk about a few news items I ran across this week. It's um, on the news. Okay. My favorite. For instance, California will try treating drug addiction by paying people who use drugs not to use drugs. NPR this week highlighted a California program that encourages people to give up drugs for a small payment. So in, a, in the treatment program described there, people visit a drug treatment program to provide a urine, urine sample. If the sample tests negative, they get seven bucks. These programs are called contingency management and they offer money or gift cards to stay off drugs. The aim of the programs is to sort of rewire the brain so that it gets a dopamine kick from the payment rather than from the drug. Mm -hmm. Most insurance plans don't cover it. Medicaid doesn't cover it. The federal federal government has concerns about fraud and waste and critics call these programs unethical, saying they amount to a bribe. What do you guys think? Just based on what I've just told you. I would like to hear other thoughts on that. I, I took like a class on this stuff in undergrad. Did you? Yeah, I, I, oh, okay. over because I was over in the College of Public Health, and mm. so we had a graduate course offered on substance abuse treatment and uh, stuff like that. And this is like one of the things we got talked about and got talked about is one of, like, one of the most effective methods mm. is like a some like token based. You know, you can do that either like in this case like with actual direct cash payments, mm-hmm. or you could do it with a token like you exchange this. Like you get a token every time you test clean and you get to turn in so many tokens for a prize, basically. And yeah, I mean, it, 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 like exactly what you're saying. It is basically breaks down that association or sort of builds this new association between not using and positive outcomes rather than using and having the intrinsic like euphoria from using drugs. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. the whole mechanism behind drug use is, uh, you know, is your brain rewards you for doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. So if you can reward it for doing something else that isn't that. Mm-hmm. I'm know. just saying like drugs are like immediate satisfaction. Well, mm-hmm. like a token. When are you going to get that? Like, two weeks from now? So right. Well, I think you go. I, I mean, I, I don't know how often you get tested. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe you know something about that, Noah. But I, I can't remember what the time metrics were. It would, certainly wouldn't be like every day or anything. I think it was either weekly, biweekly or monthly. Okay. Yeah. That, so like, it could be fairly in. immediate. But yeah, yeah, definitely not as immediate as as mm-hmm. you know drug use itself mm-hmm. i'm curious to know too like in a way it kind of simplifies drug addiction in my mind because mm-hmm. it's like it's not like they're wanting money or necessarily it's, it's a yeah. very complicated mm-hmm. process like just mm-hmm. giving someone money for not using is not enough like mm-hmm. are they partnering with like psychotherapy or like working with counselors too mm-hmm. to address that or is it just here's some money if you... I, I, I believe yeah. so yeah okay. I think it's yeah, is part of a yeah yeah it's not yeah it's not certainly it's not like right. this program alone it's okay you, uh-huh. maybe you come in you do your therapy or psychotherapy session and then at the end you test and then okay. like if it's nice. clean you do you can yeah. give the token or whatever I guess that's good like that would motivate them then to even go mm-hmm. use those services if right they get money right. at the end of it yeah okay I'm just thinking about applying it to me like I had three what? cookies. Uh, I had three cookies yesterday, uh, which I'm very sad about. Uh-huh. But I had three cookies, and I'm somebody like, would, if somebody offered me broccoli like a week later, and I would get twenty bucks, would I do it, or would I eat the three cookies right there and then? Really think about it. Would you do the broccoli and the twenty bucks, or the three cookies right there? Yeah. Why? Well, and and I you're think hungry. That, and you're hungry. And I think that's cookies. the thing, though. With the, the data shows that people do choose. Okay. The, yeah. You know. If the data shows yeah. it, then yeah, I trust yeah. it. That, that's what kind of like is important to look at is, you know, we might not like or be questioned. We might have questions about the mm-hmm. actual program. But if the data shows yeah. that it is actually, you know, successful in helping people 
these drugs diminish or decrease their use and mm. they also get something that they find to be valuable to themselves then why i feel like that's inherently what we seek out in these yeah. types of programs i will say that one piece of evidence is that the va has used this therapy mm -hmm. for years to yeah. treat right. at this point or at the i guess at the time of the yeah, I guess at this point, mm -hmm. 5,600 vets, that program has collected 73,000 urine samples and 92% tested negative for drugs. So, wow. That's, and that's, that's awesome. remarkable. That's very, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good number. That's, again, like that, as a, the field of like addiction, like that's like incredible. Yeah. You know, and like, it's also yeah. important to remember that there are no medicines that treat meth or coke addiction, for right. instance, mm -hmm. while there are medicines for treating opioid addiction. Mm -hmm. So, and why don't people like this? Because, because it's, it's like bribing because it's oh it's like it's why bad? should we you know you should i don't it's the american bullshit ethos of like <laughs> yeah. of or i suspect it is of you know oh, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you know yeah. you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do and right mm -hmm. yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it's that whole idea of like you're you're any opposition to it if you have the data right your opposition to it isn't that it doesn't work your opposition to it is that like morally some quasi moral yeah. judgment yeah. right yeah. like it's the same sort of thing with like needle exchange programs yeah. and yeah. like safe needle using spaces the data shows that those are like objective net societal goods where you mm -hmm. reduce the you know transmission of bloodborne pathogens oh yeah like folks who use go to those places to use are also more likely than to seek treatment yeah but then you're like, oh, but then we're into this moral Are we promoting these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and the, the, you know, as I said before, the the, go the federal government is concerned about fraud and waste. And mm -hmm. I guess if you're tossing around that much money, tossing around that much money, quote unquote, <laughs> it, 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 quote, quote, yeah. And you know, there there might be occasions where people, officials, or patients mm -hmm. might abuse that situation. Mm -hmm. But you know. You can abuse any situation. Exactly. Like, I mean, you it's, need to take a risk and yeah. you yeah. see if it works. And I, I would push back on that, I guess, sort of two fronts. Is like, one, are you going to let the hypothetical of someone yeah. abusing it to get in the object, like the way of the objective good of this, the, that this program is causing? And also be like, yeah, if what programs are we funding with that money now? And if those programs are less effective, isn't that, in a sense, like waste yeah. that we're funding less effective programs? You and know? I also think it's it's it has to do with this sort of ju this idea that you know a program should be perfect, mm -hmm. and nothing is ever perfect. <laughs> you know, nothing is ever a hundred percent. You know, and, and so there's a saying, you know, don't let perfection get a, get in the way of good enough. And mm -hmm. yeah. and I think this is probably one of those situations. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're humans. Nothing's yeah. going to be perfect. Where does the money come from? Oh, I couldn't tell you. I mean, if if it's the, I mean, I assume it's from state, yeah, state, state budget. Mm -hmm. In this case, in California, state budget, and in the VA, wherever they get their funding mm -hmm. from, the mm -hmm. Pentagon, or I don't know. That certainly would draw criticism, as yeah. in like we're funding this program, but also like it's it, it, this. You said like seven dollars yeah. for uh for, for each program. for each test that you yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's not like exorbitant. No, you know, not at all. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Here's something else cool. YouTube has banned all anti-vax content this mm -hmm. week, including content that claims they cause autism, cancer, infertility, or tracking by microchip. Did you know YouTube is trying to be like TikTok? I saw a YouTube shorts. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Like yeah. Competition. No. Same thing that? with Instagram Reel. Uh -huh. Yeah. No. Yeah. Separate, separate thing, yes. <laughs> Back to your topic. Yeah. In addition, the company removed high-profile anti-vaxxers like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and really? Joseph Merkola. Still allowed our discussions of vaccine policy, trials, uh, personal accounts of getting vaccinated, things like that. Mm -hmm. 
YouTube had previously banned false information specifically about coronavirus vaccines in October of last year. But they're taking this extra step to stop the spread of this information. I mean, clearly there are more channels for disinformation than just YouTube, mm -hmm. but YouTube gets a lot of traffic. So yeah, it could be, it could right. be, you know, a really great thing to do. It's been uh, around for so long that I don't know. I love me some YouTube. I love YouTube. Oh yeah. Who does that? Not a sponsor, but you know, <laughs> Google. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> Call me too. <laughs> a report from this past March from the Center for Countering Digital Hate found that just 12 people were responsible for 65% of disinformation hmm. on Twitter and Facebook. It analyzed 812,000 posts on Facebook and Twitter between early February and mid-March 2021. RFK Jr. is in the number two spot and Joseph Merkula is in the number one spot. Hmm. Record setters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trailblazers in a field of shit uh. <laughs> so i don't know yeah you know facebook twitter youtube all these mm. places are sort of struggling with how to how to control disinformation whether we should deplatform people who don't follow the rules right um yeah. whether that's a free speech issue it's not because those are companies and not the government precisely. right so I, but i always like when i you know like this this mm -hmm. YouTube made a lot of money, right, off of these absolutely. Oh yeah, and their and their hogwash. Mm -hmm. And so, I guess it's nice that they have finally decided. All right, enough is enough. We we took enough money. Now we'll. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's hard because you know I think, you know, you have folks on one side of it being like, oh, free speech, but da da da, mm -hmm. you know. And I think, well, on the other side, like these companies have like this incentive to not remove it anyways, because like you said, they are making money off of it, yes. you know? And so I think genuinely maybe, you know, companies sort of struggled with, well, what is our role now? Now that right. we've become so big, so ubiquitous, so much a part of public discourse, mm -hmm. you know, what is, what is our role? Right. And I, you know, that's, that's been an ongoing topic for a few years, many years now. Right. I wonder how much, like bad PR played into this decision as well, because, you know, we saw like with Facebook and, and YouTube and Google, mm -hmm. they had to testify on, on Capitol Hill mm -hmm. about efforts with like election misinformation even. Mm -hmm. And there's all these negative things being thrown at them from both sides of the political aisle. Right. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly they make changes. Now we're in a, a different problem with, with the pandemic. And again, we're seeing terrible PR about how are you not stopping this? How are you not stopping this? I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And and then they pull the trigger eventually. I'm confident nothing yeah. would ever change unless it's, people it's said to them, that this is bullshit. You can't do this. You know, right. Don't do this. I mean, like at what cost though? You know, yeah. they, they've done this, these, these individuals that you, that they are removing have done so much damage to public discourse and to just health in general. Yeah. Right. But I think it's, Still, like, in I think the issue with these like decisions and stuff is just how like narrow they are because it's okay, we're gonna draw the line here for vaccines, but then for other issues, like for example, climate change, like we're still going to allow engage in that discourse to be platformed and so on and so on. And so it's, it feels very, oh, like we're getting blowback on this one specific thing, so now we're gonna draw a line. Yep, that's but yep. please don't push us on anything else. Yeah. <laughs> that's you why know. I think it's driven by you know whatever the, the problem of the moment, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And so, in that, in that case, too, it feels very i don't know disingenuine perhaps to be like yeah. oh okay we're taking a stance now and we're 
a stand up for oh, information, yeah. you yeah, know. Do we always have to speak up and say something or can they handle it themselves? And be like, yeah. This is not right. Right. If you're constantly moving your own goalposts, yeah. you know, when you're going to take action, it doesn't really, yeah. you don't really have a consistent, you know, enforcement mechanism that. Yeah. You can't really say that they're acting on a moral imperative. No. no. Right. What no. they're doing is the correct thing to do in my, in my uh-huh. opinion, yeah. but I'm not going to clap for them. This could have been this could have been prevented from the get go. Like, like, remember at the oh what was it? The one the, I'm not going to name the video, but there was that one like vaccine or COVID-19 like conspiracy video that like oh, got yes. shared yeah. like millions of millions of views. Oh, like yes. I, had pe- I had one of my friends send me and it was like, what do you think of this? You know, oh, like yeah. back, you know, at the start of things. And it's like, it took sure it took them, I think, like three days to remove it. But like in that time, like. I think that's the other. I think that's the other situation mm-hmm. that I'm not sure is going. So, so you put. Let's say I put out a video mm-hmm. that's you know, vaccines suck. Right. It's going to take some period of time mm-hmm. before it gets removed. Right. Before I get deplatformed. And so by that time, you know, if millions of people have seen it, mm-hmm. well, the damage is kind of. Mm-hmm. The damage that it could do was kind of done. Right. Yeah. It's already entered the discourse. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The only way to prevent that is that they would have to check every single video. Before, yeah, right. Which is, yeah, they like, can't do that. They or they're, do they're, that. they have to do it with AI, which, you know, frequently means that people who... More robots taking over the world. Yeah, well, it also <laughs> just frequently means that errors are made. Yeah. Right. Because just like humans ai are, are prone to mistakes yeah, yeah. What, what i love about let's say you put a video or somebody puts a video out there and it's anti-vaccine or conspiracy mm. clearly just bogus and it gets removed the individuals that were feeding into it then weaponize the removal itself and right. say see they're taking away taking yeah, it away yeah. class they're, they're, they're hiding it they're, they're taking away this truth that it's no it's just a really shitty video that lied right. to people that is dangerous but yes sure <laughs> and and i think that's the issue too is like and then even if you do leave it up, you have the issue of like where you by inherently platforming it, you're saying it's legitimate or like yeah. worth giving credit to. It's sort of that, that idea is, like, OK, say if we held a you know debate with the, someone who's quote unquote pro vaccine versus an anti vaxxer, like just the inherent idea that you're oh, yeah. saying that these two ideas are legitimate enough. Uh-huh to be held in direct opposition to each other. You're sort of saying, oh, you know, there's there's good pros and cons on both sides. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? And so I think that's the issue, too. It's like, hey, you know, if you're a platform, you know, you're a platform, you're like, well, like, we could just leave this up and let people for, make decisions for themselves. You're like, sort of, leave by leaving it up, you're already making a moral statement about it. Yeah. Right? And saying that this is worth considering or worth being viewed, you know? So what would happen mm-hmm. if, if it was illegal to do these things? It's Can you, like, arrest somebody for not being educated enough or pursuing well i mean because that that is the question isn't uh-huh. it? i mean there's there's mm-hmm. there's people who don't know what the reality is and then mm-hmm. there's people who know what the reality yeah. is and mm-hmm. use that and twist it or yeah. or go against it mm-hmm. how, how do yeah how do you differentiate that mm-hmm. but you know there are laws i mean most for most laws ignorance is not a defense defense yeah, yeah but i don't know how that would how play out it's, it, it's interesting because we do have like restrictions on quote-unquote free speech right and yeah. just like, have been decided through supreme court cases like you know like oh you can't yell fire in a crowded theater and right. like that. <laughs> but you know at the same time too it's like you get i think and i you know i knew when you said that i sort of had like a visceral reaction of like oh let's make it illegal to say things like where you're kind of like oh that yeah. feels not good Mm-mm. you know either but at the same time like clearly this mechanism of us relying on these private companies 
to regulate things isn't like going super great either. Yeah. And so you're like, it's it's sort you're sort of like you know I don't know a moral issue there where it's well what is what does that look like you know and I think and I think the reason we look at it that way is again it's sort of this American mm-hmm. view of freedom, personal responsibility versus government responsibility. Mm-hmm. Pull you up by your own boot pull yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of mm-hmm. like rugged individual kind of individualist ideals that we in America have versus right. other countries who are like no this is it's not cool yeah sort of I should be allowed to have my takes no matter how bad or dangerous yeah. they may be <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. you know Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank you. Hey, you know what? This past uh, week, or this past month, excuse me, the Ig Nobel Prizes were announced for 2021. You guys know what these are? No. I've heard of them. The Ig Nobel Prizes are the annals of, I think it's, I think it's the annals of ridiculous research mm. where... You know, the, the so studies are selected by the Ig, no, Ig Nobel Committee as to how ridiculous they sound. And uh, it's kind of a semi-honor to to win an Ig Nobel Prize. And I've got a few of them here. So let's see if you can <laughs> fill in the blanks okay. in this pop quiz. First one is the Chemistry Prize. A proof, the, the title of the article is Proof of Concept Study. Testing Human Volatile Organic Compounds as Tools for Age Classification of Blank. What goes in the blank? It's one word. One word. Yeah. I should have made this multiple choice, huh? You should have. Yeah. You really Can should you give have. give us some options? Yeah, okay. On the spot, wow. Let's see. A, consumption of boot. No, this is not going to work because yeah. I have no. to think about it. Right. Well, yeah. So, so these, these, these are like, the, 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 this is like a, oh, fun it's funny it's it's it's, it's yeah they're, they're, yeah. they're silly. it's goofy i missed that i'm sorry okay silly, so what, goofy amusing strange what, yeah. what's the name of the article again proof of concept study testing testing human volatile organic compounds as tools for age classification of blank what's gonna be something what's a like human volatile what kind of things do we species what kind of things do we age classify what kind of things do we say is appropriate for different ages I don't know. I'm all about feces on this one. I'm pretty. Yeah. I'm pretty bought in on that. Okay, so like you think you think that that it, that I think there are age study. classifications for feces, well, human volatile. I'm thinking like yeah, comp- farts, yeah. man. Like yeah, some okay. some yeah. stinky that's gonna Could come. Be farts, feces. I mean sweat, sweat, Ugh. sweat as well. You know, lots of things. Lots of things are VOCs, uh, pheromones. Uh, I don't know. I'm on the poop train. All right. <laughs> Any other guesses? I don't know. The pheromones is. I don't know if that would make sense though either. I don't. I get it. I'm, I'm sort of. We're gonna like, narrow this down. It's sort of like one of these like the word blank, salad. The blank is a piece of culture. Piece of culture. Common what? piece of culture. Well, man, maybe I was not quite right. There. Not poop. <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess poop what could is, be cultured. What is but art so. is it like art? Okay, art. Using human DOC to date art. Wow, this has shifted gears quite a bit. <laughs> Sorry that I led us down the poop path. Stephanie's always excited about the poop path. Fashion. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right, cool. I'll put you out of your misery. It's films. Oh, what? Oh. So you know they Wait, have we, age we, ratings we, for films. Based off oh. of and oh. you know the 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 um, the what? the classification of films 
as appropriate for different ages is a subjective. Oh, you meant? Oh, Wait, wow! I was, I was thinking like, like dating. Same. Like, think of a carbon dating. You know, uh, sort of like, yeah, exactly I thought, what I. Oh, was well, that's why I said diff- appropriate for different ages. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah, you said that, and, I, and like I was like, that's a weird way to put that. <laughs> Look, I wow. did not write the article. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, humans emit numerous volatile, this is from the abstract, humans emit numerous volatile organic compounds through breath and skin. The nature and rate of these emissions are affected by various factors, including emotional state. Previous measures of VOCs and CO2 in a cinema have shown that certain chemicals are reproducibly emitted by audience reacting to events mm. in a particular film. Using data from films with various age classifications, we have studied the relationship between the emission of multiple VOCs and CO2 and the age classifier, this is sort of like PG-13, mm-hmm. R, whatever. Well, with a view to developing a new chemically-based and objective film classification measure. <laughs> wow. So it sounds like what, they're do- what they want to do is put a bunch of people in a movie theater, measure how shitty they smell or whatever during a movie, and that would allow them to say <laughs> like that this, this is inappropriate this idea. for, you know... I support it. Because no, something that's rated PG, you might get, like, equal amounts of, like, volatile human stuff but just in different form like i'm gonna cry a whole lot in when marley and me but i'm gonna laugh a whole lot in i don't know toy story like i don't know those are different reactions but what if there's the same volume of, i don't know yeah. that's just a, that that's, is how does somebody think of that how do they get funded for this <laughs> yeah this is a good idea i have so it. many questions like stephanie's this. on board yeah this is your bonus question did the study find that humans emit different chemicals depending on the age classifier of the movies absolutely yes, yes. Probably. yes. they did yes. not uh, no. oh, that's too bad except for one chemical whose that. name escapes me for the moment and i should have written down basically there was it was impossible to <laughs> just statistically significant hey negative studies are important yeah, yeah. especially yeah. this one right yeah. here's the medicine prize can sex improve blank blank an exploration of the link between sex and blank blank same same two words intelligence can sex improve blank blank it's two words oh blank blank immune response okay hey. interesting relevant this year interesting i think i also saw something like that once on tiktok or something well i don't yeah, i don't, yeah. don't want to police like, the websites that, that you sounds visit like something that probably actually yeah wait this, i'm on mad tiktok you know <laughs> improve the sex improve ones what There's blank blank can sex improve blank blank can sex improve blank blank you know what i'm gonna give you the second word okay function function okay. blank function immune function okay stick to my gun okay stick to your guns man mm. that's always best i mean i feel like it's got if, if this is interesting it's got to be something random or weird maybe i'm overthinking it again yeah. Okay. Respiratory function. <laughs> All right. Your All VO2 right. max. Your VO2 <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So, I mean, that's very plausible. Yeah. Right? No, I, in yeah. fact, I'm sure. It, I mean, that's a. This could be. Probably. I, why don't you enter the MSTP program and uh-huh. and study this? My my thesis: sex and VO two max. Yeah. That's, no. All right. Well, I'll I'll again I'll put you out of your misery, and I I actually think that both of you came pretty close, but I would say. The win belongs to Ben. Oh. Let's go. Really? The answer is nasal function. Ooh. What? Huh. Uh, can sex improve nasal function? An exploration of the link between sex and nasal function. The study was conducted to, to examine the impact of sexual activity on nasal breathing hmm. and compare such effect to that of a nasal decongestant, according to the study. <laughs> That's really can, can, can you I imagine going to the doctor think, think and then prescribing sex I mean, can you, instead of a nasal imagine, decongestant? Like, hypothesis. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, when you're engaged in sexual activity, are yeah. you kissing? You remove the ability to breathe via the mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thus, 
nasal function. Right? Something, some, something, something, sympathetic, something, something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they, I think the problem is like when you dilation. have a cold, pretty much the last thing you might want to do is have sex, but you know, hey, you know, some people. <laughs> that was an episode on Friends, wasn't it? The one where Monica wants to have sex with Chandler, but she has a right. Is that she had COVID nineteen? I, I just plug this <laughs> out of my head. Do that right yes. when she has when she has a cold. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, next time I do like a sexual history like questionnaire type of thing, I'm gonna be like, "How's your breathing? Your smell?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The, oh, the that's going on. control <laughs> subjects have a nose plug <laughs> uh, just to see how things change. Yeah, how do they do that? No. I feel like that's I don't know. Do you recruit human subjects for this? Oh, study? I yeah. would think so. Yeah. Wow. Uh, bonus. What did the study find in comparison between nasal decongestion and sex? Oh, like they use the nasal decongestion as a mm. reference group rather than I just guess, like no. I guess so, yeah. so which one's no better? Sex. Sex or <laughs> yeah, no sex would have been you know not nasal yeah. drainage is increased parasympathetic tone, right? And so Maybe. yeah, oh. so does sex is more sympathetic, so it improves relative to the nasal de- decongestion. Um, yes, relative okay. to oh. the, yeah. I don't know if it would be stronger than a nasal decongestion. Okay. Like oh, o- wow. I no, like I don't know about that. OR would be like, the odds rate, I feel like it'd be like a one. Yeah, like no difference. It could be a one to one. I feel like it'd be re- relatively the same effect. Relatively the same effect. Yeah. Sort of. Both nasal decongestant and sex work Ooh. to a similar extent to reduce congestion, but decongestants last longer. Oh, mm. I see. The sex didn't last long enough. <laughs> I think the number I read was for sex, three hours. Ooh. Three hours. Three hours wow. of nasal. And we know that I mean, I know because I take them a lot. Is nasal decongestants last for longer than that? So, like a day or something like that. Three mm. consecutive hours. So, do you feel comfortable saying that to a patient that comes in because of anosmia, being like, "Just so you know, this is also an option." It's a do you natural. Feel this is a natural, natural remedy. <laughs> Are we hiding science from our patients? I, th- I think you'd be removed from YouTube. If you <laughs> okay, last one. The title of the article is "Impact." protection potential of mammalian blank testing mm. the pugilism hypothesis for the evolution of human blank what can we Wait, get what? that one more time impact impact protection potential of mammalian blank testing the pugilism hypothesis for the as evolution of human blank this is by the way the peace prize hypothesis. anybody know what pugilism what does that mean no. what is that fighting oh fight impact fighting Fighting. If you're a pugilist, you're like a boxer. Fighting. Oh, I, I, like I wanted to without before you said what that meant. I wanted to say like the butt, like glute. Okay. Of, okay. Of evolution, the you think it, glute. You think like the glutes sitting. protect you from a bunch putt? By, a bunch, uh, a butt not, punch. Not after the, <laughs> the bunch punching. Putt. Uh, <laughs> I don't know now. <laughs> I'm back to the drawing putt. board. <laughs> it's a golf term. <laughs> Mammalian blank. What are features of mammals? Hair. I don't want to. Yeah, okay, now that's the, one. The breasts. Lactating. Uh-huh. The breasts. This is a peace prize? Yeah. Peace prize. Oh. <laughs> it's the peace prize. That's very peaceful. I don't think that's where you need to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This, uh-huh. this is tr- It's already Believe it or not, it's already been mentioned. So it is the breasts. Lactating? It's, no. If, if, if I feel like if it's like an evolution of the mammalian, I, that's just okay. I mean, the other ones you have is you know the placenta, etc. I don't feel like it's that uh, hair uh-huh. could be yeah. the other thing. It's the hair or breast. Hair or breasts. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. 
That's all there is. Breast. All right. I'm going with breasts. All right. You got breasts. No, the answer is hair. Oh, yes! <laughs> Impact potential of mammalian hair. Testing the pugilism hypothesis for the evolution of human facial hair. So they made an epoxy composite to resemble bone. Mm. We covered the epoxy composite with segments of skin dissected from domestic sheep. <laughs> and used a drop-weight impact tester <laughs> affixed with a load cell to collect force versus time data. Tissue samples were prepared in three conditions. Furred, plucked, and sheared. <laughs> what was the study's conclusion is your bonus question. That they spent way too much time on this. <laughs> I just have a really cartoonish image of them like dropping an anvil. <laughs> like a little toy sheep. It's like Mythbusters, honestly. All right. What was the conclusion? Hair is peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> hair what? is peaceful. And that's why I want the prize. Peaceful yeah. hair. I, I don't know. So it'd probably like slight. I don't I don't feel like there would be a significant association yeah. there. But maybe. I think there would be. I'm yeah. open to it if there is. The study's conclusion was that the data support the hypothesis what? that human, human beards protect vulnerable, vulnerable regions of the facial skeleton from damaging strikes. Are discussed in the article <laughs> was the fact that you know men are often you know sort of well men are, are are more often sort of fighters than than women yes I, I i think i can say that without being sexist i'm not really sure at least historically mm-hmm. we'll say. Mm-hmm. I agree. and m- most injuries from fighting are jaw injuries so the hypothesis mm-hmm. is that Beards exist to protect men's jaws from getting punched. Hmm. I think a really cool follow-up study, and maybe we can have somebody, an incoming student, do their summer research on this to do, you know, a pro or a retrospective study and looking at facial trauma events due to fights in the ER and if the month of November has a decrease <laughs> in facial trauma compared to other months. Yeah, but the comp- That's brilliant. The uh, compounding factor would be no nut November, so. Mm. Dang it. Got to think about that. Well, y'all did really badly on this, I yeah. think. I, I, don't, I don't know the scores because I stopped keeping track. <laughs> well, it's but on my was, MSPE probably. Yeah, yeah, it'll go on your MSPE. Yeah. Somebody's always watching. Yeah. Well, that's our show. Stephanie, Noah, Kelsey, Ben. Thanks for being on the show with me today. Appreciate of course. it. Thank it's you. Been a very fun yeah. time. And one kind of what kind of internet famous boob would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcoats, for making us a part of your week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, uh, you know, follow us wherever fine podcasts are available. That would be nice. Our editors are AJ Chowdhury and Eric Bozart. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine, student government, and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. I'm Dave Etler saying never let them see you roll your eyes. No. <laughs> Talk to you in one week. Hi, short coats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. 
And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you and I'm glad you're here and other people are too. 